Welcome to Newcastle Going Green, a series of monthly podcasts brought to you by the Newcastle Sustainability Advisory Board. Each episode will give you information about green initiatives and sustainable options you can find around Newcastle. Hear from experts in various fields, coupled with a neighbor's experience with the practice being discussed during each podcast. On today's episode, we will focus on electric cars and why they are better for the environment with guests Michelle De La Fontaine, Ian Malloy, and Zachary Wolk. Michelle is the Director of Clean Transportation at Sustainable Westchester. He is an engineer and a longtime EV enthusiast, seven electrical vehicles so far, and an expert in transportation. Ian Malloy has lived in Chappaqua for 10 years with his wife and two kids. He drives around town in an all-electric Nissan Leaf. Zach Wolk is a student at Greeley High School, as well as a member of the Sustainability Advisory Board, and has been working to bring more electric vehicle chargers to our town. Electric vehicles do not have tailpipes and produce no carbon dioxide, which in turn reduces greenhouse gas emissions. Major car manufacturers are getting on board to go all-electric by the next decade. General Motors Chief Executive Mary T. Barra said that the company will aim to sell only zero-emission trucks and cars by 2035, which is a bold and welcome statement. We welcome Michelle, Ian, and Zachary to Newcastle Going Green. Thank you so much for the introduction, Aaron. So I want to get into a little bit of the behind the scenes about electric vehicles because um, I think that there is a lot of misconceptions about the history and also some of the benefits that come with electrically charged vehicles. But first, in order to really appreciate the EV infrastructure of the 21st century, you have to have a general understanding of how damaging cars are generally to the environment. So every time a person around the world goes for a drive, they are burning gasoline and diesel fuels, and they're causing numerous environmental issues. First of all, they're producing nitrogen dioxide, which is an incredibly damaging compound when breathed in. It has incredible effects on the respiratory system. It's really horrible. We have the same issue with compounds like carbon monoxide. And in some cities, as much as 95% of carbon monoxide emissions can be attributed to cars. On top of that, because of the emissions, Cars create particulate matter and they bring up fine particles, which can also destroy the respiratory system. So overall, one fifth of the United States global warming causing pollutants can be traced to these tailpipe emissions. With that, that really sets the stage for what EVs stand for. And it really helps us conceptualize the benefits that these cars and trucks bring. So electric vehicles in very short terms use rechargeable batteries to provide energy for motion. But even though we associate EVs with these new companies and new initiatives like the Tesla, like the Leaf, you can actually trace them back to as early as the 20th century and they were actually revered for their convenience. So electric vehicles were quieter and they were less polluting than their gasoline counterparts and they became very, very popular in urban regions because they were, they were very good for short trips. The only reason that America actually really started using gasoline powered cars was due to the rise of the cheaper Model T and more accessible oil prices. And since then, we've had a very um, direct linkage between oil prices and e rates of EV usage. So rising oil prices in the 70s led to a lot of developments for EVs, General Motor, American Motor Company, they all worked on R&D for limiting gasoline reliance. So what you see today is that with the rise of EV technology, with the rise of new batteries capacity, we are able to see EVs become both accessible and popular. Again, we have companies like the Prius, the Tesla, and a constantly expanding grid and also tax incentive to, 
tax incentives to reduce car prices. So what we're seeing is the sort of resurgence of the electric vehicle. And that's really why we wanted to have this episode today to really assess what a person in Newcastle could do with an electric vehicle and why it's better than its gasoline counterpart in the 21st century. And Chavico is definitely helping contribute to the rise of electric vehicles with expanded charging opportunities that Zach is working on and a lot of, you know, Newcastle residents switching to electric vehicles. And with that, um, I'm going to turn it over to Maxine to interview our expert for today. Great. That's great. Great information, uh, Gabriel. Uh, so now, um, Michelle, thank you so much again for, for coming on and giving us your expertise. Uh, and I know Sustainable Westchester is doing really great work in this area and so many other areas, uh, renewable energy and so many things to get the county and, and everyone up to, to try to reduce their carbon emissions. So, uh, you know, I, we had in the, in the intro that uh, the head of uh, GM wanted to have vehicles uh, in their fleet by 2035 be all electric. Ford is, you know, also trying to follow that as are a lot of different companies. So what does the current EV market look like? And what should we be expecting from electric vehicles in the coming years? And I'm particularly interested also in the price because I think the price is, is uh, making people take a, you know, second thoughts about, about the vehicle plus where they're going to charge it. So there, there's a couple of things that we need to, to talk about, about that. Right. Um, the current EVs, and I, I, I speak for, for what I've been driving so far, GM vehicles, the current EVs have been evolving rather rapidly. Uh, the ranges are increasing, which is great. Uh, the reliability is, is, is increased as well. Um, I, I visited yesterday a company called Lucid that offers cars that can go 520 miles on one charge. And that can charge in, in uh, I would say, a good half an hour, the same amount of miles. Uh, I, I won't give too many numbers here, but what's happening in, in the EV world is uh, a lot of uh, companies entering the market with much better, better each each year, much better models than the previous year. Um, the prices are are coming down in the what I call the affordable layers, and I've been uh, looking at that because I bought seven EVs from Chevy, and uh, the prices are coming down because the battery costs are coming down as well. Uh, but you can't just say uh, the cost of EV is such. It is uh, what we have to consider is the total cost of ownership of a car. And uh, if you heard about what we call life cycle analysis or the way to look at the total cost of ownership of a car is, is very much different uh, from a ICE or, you know, internal combustion engine uh, cars. Uh, what we have to look, obviously, the, the, the sticker price is there, but I can tell you one thing is for the seven vehicles I, I leased from GM, there are two days in their lifetime, the day I pick it up at the dealership and the day I return it when the lease is over. 
and never went to visit them again in between because you don't need to service them. You don't need to maintain electric cars have probably 20 or 25 moving parts and an ICE has 2000 of them. And when you have more moving parts, obviously you, you can break them more often. It doesn't happen with an electric car. I mean, it is very reliable. Um, so I, I, I don't know if you want to go over, uh, you know, what, what the, the future is going to be. I see the future, a bright future where more models, more companies are coming on the market because they feel there's a market. There's a demand for these cars. There's a demand for longer range. There's a demand for different types of car. We see more and more um, even trucks. As you know, the uh, F-150 Lightning is, is being produced today. Um, a, a wider range of, of uh, type of users uh, for all-wheel drives. Um, so it's becoming more varied, uh, which is very good. I mean, for all the taste and, and, and the, the folks. And, and one thing that I want to mention about uh, an EV is that for 95% of the time, I'm charging it at home. And very few times in the year am I going behind that range anxiety issue that the, most of people had initially with EVs. Uh, and, and I can find um, charging stations uh, on the way I'm going to Massachusetts or Albany most of the time, and I can find charging stations. Uh, it, they are obviously becoming more crowded as more people are buying EVs, so we can talk about that as well. But this is so far my, my positive experience about EVs. It, it Yeah, it's yeah. definitely, people don't realize that uh, what you said about there are less parts, less things you're going to have to worry about to be maintained. I mean, you'll have to worry about, you know, uh, the batteries checking and there's different things, but there's just a lot less moving parts, which will not bring you into your mechanic. Mechanics might not like it, but, but that's, you know, something that's going to happen. But at, at this point, in terms of charging, you know, if you have a private home and you pay for the, you know, to set it up, that's one thing. What about if you live in an apartment or a condo or a place where you don't have really that ability to, to hook it up yourself and it has to go through a building structure? And right. I think people, you know, should really start to understand if that's going to, you know, expand. So to, to speak to, to that, actually, I have a hearing on Thursday uh, at the assembly, uh, New York State Assembly. And my pitch to them, if you want to have wide adoption of EVs, uh, you have to provide charging stations. And I, I'm always going back to level two charging stations, the 220 volts up to 20 kilowatt on public spaces. If you live in the dwelling and you don't have access to a private garage, you ought to be able to to charge your car somewhere if you want to buy one. And municipalities are going to play a major role in EV adoption because you have enough public space where we can install charging stations. And in the urban suburban environment, it's going to be key. People are to be able to charge on street, on curbside. Um, 
creates a lot of discussions and issues, but uh, at the end of the day, there are two things that, that need to happen. Um, we, we need to understand how the grid is going to absorb that big demand. If all the cars were converted today to electric, it would be a huge demand on the, on the grid. Uh, and we need, obviously, to address this. Um, there are multiple ways of addressing it. I, for instance, I'm building a what we call a sunshine to EV project where we're storing sunshine uh, solar PV energy into a battery, a large battery, and then we can push into EV. So we can smooth out all the demand on the grid such that it doesn't get the peak. If any, everyone connected their EV at midnight will basically kick the, the charging time, you will have major problem on the grid, uh, on demand side. So it, it is, um, for us, Sustainable Westchester, uh, our mentor is to, to tell our member municipalities, you have to provide a service on the public space, public garage, even on street. Uh, when we talked about connecting charging stations to light poles, I mean, there's already a, a feed there, a uh, supply of power, and and it's plenty of, of, of things to talk about. But my my uh, you know previous uh, comments were ninety five percent of the time uh, you want to charge while you sleep. Uh, you're not using the car, and only five to past percent of the time you ought to be on the street or on the road somewhere if you want to find some charging station. Yeah, that that's a definite. Uh, people, we really need to solve solve issues surrounding that. So I know Sustainable Westchester is working with municipalities. It's it's a very key issue right now because every time I speak about it, people say the same thing to me. Like, well, I live in an apartment building, and you know. In, in lower Westchester. And so how would I even get my car charged? So that's something we really need to get out to the public that it, it, it's coming, but it's, it's something that needs to be worked on, obviously, but it's, it's going to happen. I know that. So let's say someone can buy, you know, an EV and in the buying process, um, are there incentives? Are there state, federal, what are the incentives to buy it that would make the price more, you know, amenable. Right. So I, I currently the federal tax credit is uh, still out there available for most of the car manufacturers, some expanded uh, into their, um, you know, and, and there are some extensions possible in the new Build Back Better bill. Um, the federal wants to expand that to 12,500 12, as opposed to the 7,500. Hopefully, um, our Congress is going to go back to work on this bill and pass it. So on the federal side, uh, there are federal tax credits uh, for EVs, uh, and, and you, you will have to obviously go by the car manufacturer to confirm this. Uh, and on the state level, there's also uh, what we call a rebate. Uh, I was one of the first one getting the rebate in New York State uh, for a bolt. So this is still on and you can access New York State uh, EV uh, rebate uh, website to see if the car you're looking at 
uh, can benefit from that uh, rebate and how much you can get from this. So there are, yeah, breaks uh, on the MSRP that you right. can get from the federal and the state. But most of the, the savings you're going to see are coming from uh, how you're going to use, how you're going to charge, and the, 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 the practical absence of, of service and maintenance costs. The, whole, the only thing you're going to see is utility bills. And, and there's a program if you are in Con Edison, you, you signed up on Smart Charge New York, and I'm getting paid to charge my car overnight from midnight to 8 a.m. That's a good deal. I like that deal. So it's we know it reduces emissions, and that's a very key thing. And we know we need to promote the use and adoption, you know, of of these vehicles. Uh, I mean, I have so so many questions. So you're going to have to come back on. I, I'd like to just, you know, if you're going to talk to our residents in Newcastle and Westchester um, that are sort of on the fence of purchasing an electric vehicle, what would you? tell them to bring them in. We have incentives. You don't have to go to a gas station. There's a lot of different things. You're, you're reducing carbon emissions. So you're, you're helping, you know, that in that area. So, so kind of give me a pitch for quickly of how and why I should buy this vehicle. Well, I, I keep on telling once you drove an electric car, you don't want to drive a gas powered car anymore. Right. It's fun. It's a lot more fun to drive. Uh, there's a direct kick, and it will save you money at the end. I, if you go on the long term, you'll save money. And there's a lot more to say to that. It will take more than one sentence. But <laughs> my first coming on top, it's a lot more fun to drive an EV. Number one, it's reduces emission well we can discuss that uh if you are and i <laughs> that to you newcastle if you join the westchester power program which is delivering clean energy into the residents uh then you got green uh clean and green power and mm -hmm. so whatever you charge uh, overnight and right brooke we have you know clean power uh it is 100 percent uh, renewable electricity so what I'm doing is, is, you know, reducing the tailpipe emissions. So I recommend you also to, uh, to join. Yes, that, that's so, so uh, we're going to have to, to wrap your end here. Uh, where can people get information about Westchester? We have so much, again, you'll have to come back. To, we'll have to do a part two. Uh, where can people get information about uh, Sustainable Westchester? Uh, SustainableWestchester.org. On the website, and you can uh, see what we're doing. Uh, we, we're doing more than just, uh, EVs. Uh, we have the first uh, community choice aggregation in the nation, uh, in, in in the in the state, and still a big one. We just uh, you know Yonkers joined us, so we are providing clean energy to our residents, and uh, we are running programs uh, to uh, to entice the people to become cleaner. Uh, that's what we're doing. Greener and cleaner, that's the message, right? <laughs> so so um, thank you so very much for joining us uh, on Newcastle Going Green. And we'll, again, we'll have to have you come back and uh, we appreciate your time. And I'm gonna turn it over to, to Gabriel now to, to speak to Ian Malloy. Thanks again. Cleaner and greener. I, I really like the ring of that. That's, that's fantastic. 
Um, going off of that, I really want to look at some of the more, you know, Newcastle specific, like, Ian as a resident, of course, would have, you know, some insight as to what it's like owning an EV in Newcastle specifically, and what some of the benefits are for a Newcastle resident. So going sort of off of that 30 second pitch that we just heard from Michelle. Um, so, Ian, I just want to start you off, you know, in, in, you know, in brief terms, just generally, why did you decide to originally purchase an EV just before you had any sort of conception of how the experience would go? Just what, what was the driving force? So I think it's a couple of things, actually. Uh, my wife and I always wanted an EV. We liked it for the environmental aspects. Uh, my parents had a, a Nissan Leaf, and it seemed like a really good car. Actually, quite a bit fun to drive. Uh, so the one thing Michelle was talking about, you know, EVs are, are fun to drive. It's instant torque. So you don't have to wait for the engine to power up. But then it's just, it's an easy car to own. Uh, it's, you know, it's quiet, it's reliable. Um, I think Michelle kind of hit upon this a little bit, but it's actually kind of comical to read through the maintenance manual of an EV. Uh, you're used to changing oil and spark plugs and transmission fluid and everything. It literally tells you, rotate the tires, change the cabin air filter, and you do that until the car is dead, basically. Like, that is all you have to do. So I replaced a couple of cabin air filters and I think rotated the tires. Like that's the maintenance. And from yeah. someone like when I was in, you know, undergrad, you know, you'd have cars, you'd break down the highway. I've had multiple cars literally die on me. And, you know, having to, to maintain them at, at the same rate is just very, very attractive. Yeah, that seems like a general trend. It, it's just the maintenance is incredibly superior. No one, I, I, I mean, I've spoken to a lot of EV owners just throughout my experience in the community. And no one, I've never heard anyone complain about maintenance just as a general. But what I have heard is people talking about charging. That's like the number one issue that EV owners have if it is an issue. So I do want to ask, what are your favorite spots to charge in? Uh, in Newcastle? And have you ever found it difficult to find a charging spot? Have you ever had any problems with the process? Not not typically. So uh, one, so we, we tend to charge mostly at night. It's like basically, you know, it's a full tank, full battery every morning. A uh, few times we do have to charge, you know, occasionally I, we have some chargers where I work. So we have a couple of places I could plug in there. Uh, around town a couple of times, you know, behind Starbucks, Gedney Park, like to charge in those places. So often there's an issue because there's a non-EV that's kind of parked there blocking the charger. Uh, it doesn't happen too often here, but it does happen from time to time. And then, uh, you know, road trips every so often, if we're kind of, you know, we've got a 30 kilowatt battery, rather small by modern standards. If we went a little bit outside of our normal comfort range, we'd have to find, you know, a fast DC charger. And then, you know, there's a Taza Coffee, he's got a fast one. And then, uh, uh, you know, Danbury Mall tends to be about the range we've, we've taken our EV. Yeah, road trips, road trips are actually a very interesting thing because um, on traditional cars, road trips are extremely expensive. I mean, you have to pay for, for gas for miles and miles and miles. You're producing a lot of, you know, pollutants. So overall, it's not the greatest thing. But that sort of leads me to my, to my final question. Um, in terms of economics, I, I know that both you and Michelle have mentioned this, but do you have any idea how much it costs to charge your EV over the long term as opposed to all the maintenance and all of the gas that goes into your regular car? So that's actually really interesting. It, it's kind of hard to give a very precise number there. So it could be anything from, so the, the, the really, really fast DC chargers that Electrify America has, you'll end up paying like 35 cents a kilowatt hour there. 
which is actually kind of expensive and it's it puts it about comparable to to gas um i think at home we're 20 22 cents on on kinet at midnight to uh to 8 a.m they're not 10 cents off that so that's actually pretty big if you actually get a separate meter i think they'll cut that down even further so literally you're paying like a couple of pennies um and then some of the charges around town are actually free so it's anything from free effectively to about the same as gas so it really depends on the the convenience and the rate at which you're charging i find yeah it's it's an amazing balance you've got the convenience you've got the economics um and i just want to turn it over to um to zach and his interview because he can tell us a little bit about the process for you know optimizing this charging pro to, to optimize charging in newcastle yep um, thank you so much for joining us, Zach. Um, uh, you know, we, we are, you know, really looking to improve our quality, uh, of, you know, you know, of quality of electric vehicle chargers in, in Newcastle. And, you know, you've done a lot of work for, for, you know, electric vehicle chargers. So, you know, I guess, you know, the first thing, would you just mind telling us a little bit about the work that you've done, uh, in and around Newcastle regarding electric vehicle charging? Yeah, of course. Uh, so the most recent project that I worked on was um, looking to install um, EV chargers uh, around town and on uh, town-owned property. Um, so uh, last year we chose to do this because New York was renewing uh, one of its rebates for electric vehicle chargers. Um, currently it has two rebates. One is called Charge Ready and the other is called Make Ready. Um, and put together, um, the town, uh, I'm not sure the exact uh, finances of the deal we got, um, but the town could profit off of buying and installing electric vehicle chargers. Um, so the rebates, uh, because it's a flat rate, and uh, most EV chargers cost less than the rebates give. Um, so we would get more money, in fact, than it costs us to purchase and install the electric vehicle chargers because the installation is covered by the rebate as well. Um, so uh, we looked into getting 10 chargers and we were successful in buying 10 chargers uh, from a company called ChargePoint. Uh, which has the most advanced and the largest network of EV chargers in the U.S. Yeah, I've I've used I've used ChargePoint before. Um, I've seen them all over the place. So that mm -hmm. that's really interesting. So, do you think that you know when do you think that we'll start to see these chargers come you know into town? Um, they are supposed to be installed uh, this month. Uh, so uh, mid February. Um, I expect it will take a little bit longer, possibly into March. Uh, but really, really soon within the next couple of months. That's great. And the work that you've done, you know, is amazing. And we, we thank you for all the work that you've done for, for the town mm -hmm. and for electric vehicle chargers. So thank you so much for speaking on, on your behalf. Um, all right. So thank you guys so much for joining um, joining us today on Newcastle's Going Green. Uh, for more info, you can visit uh, newcastlesab.org to learn more about all of the initiatives the SAB is taking every month. Uh, make sure to check out our Facebook page as well, and you can also email us at newcastlesab at gmail.com. Once again, that's newcastlesab at gmail.com. And you can go to sustainablewestchester.org to learn all about what Michelle was saying during today's episode. I'm Aaron Silver, along with Gabriel Paley and Maxine Margot Rubin, and we'll see you next time.